I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail. Thanks to Noom for supporting Mueller, she wrote. It's not too late to kick off your year right. Stay on track to meet your New Year's resolutions and meet your goals with Noom. Noom is designed for results, so sign up for your trial today at Noom, that's N-O-O-M, dot com slash A-G. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash A-G to start your trial today. Again, that's Noom.com slash A-G. Start losing weight for good. And thanks to Ritual for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Better health doesn't happen overnight. Start your year with Essential for Women, a small step that helps create a healthy foundation for 2019 and beyond. Visit ritual.com ag to start your ritual today. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G. With me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. Uh, this week is packed with news, and it's only going to start getting heavier, you guys. So if you know anyone who usually hides from the news, but wants like a simplified version of the facts coupled with uh, wild speculation... Uh, which we call Super Space Beans, make sure to send them our way and we'll sort it all out for them. Uh, Do you guys have a good week so far? Yeah, good week. It's raining, as you can probably maybe hear in the background. Uh, It's been a cold, blustery week. (laughs) Yes, there's nothing we can do about the inclement weather. Um, Some rain and 62 degrees is what we consider a blizzard here in San Diego. (laughs) So if if you listen, it'll be nice and relaxing. Here, let's see if we can hear it. Okay, there it is. Uh, so now we have the room sound. We have room tone. Um, yeah. And guys, you want the news. You, you, sometimes a, a little rain must fall. 
Uh, this week, Jordan, you're going to cover an interesting New York Times interview with Trump. And Jaleesa, you're going to talk about Papadop's new job uh, and how mm-hmm. it's all about gouging the masses by selling them overpriced weed. <laughs> Did you ever see the back of a $20 bill, man? No, I don't know, yo. Did you ever see the back of a $20 bill on weed? We also want to remind you guys about some upcoming live shows. The first one is March 29th. It's at the Miracle Theater in D.C. And there's two kinds of tickets for this. There's a general admission ticket and then there's a VIP ticket. And the VIP ticket gets you into the general admission show and the meet and greet, which includes a cocktail hour right before the show. So check that out. We have uh, links on our newsletter and our website and our Facebook page for that. Um, We also have March 30th at the Bell House in Brooklyn, and we have VIP tickets for that show as well, but they're sold separately. So if you want to go VIP meet and greet, you'll need to buy the general admission ticket plus the VIP ticket, and patrons get a discount on that VIP add-on. All the information is at our website, so visit MullerSheWrote.com, and we will see you there. Uh, We did email out for the um, Brooklyn show a code, MSW. Oh, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) You guys don't get to hear it. If you're a patron... (laughs) You can get that code in the newsletter uh, and on the closed Facebook group. I'll just let you all in for free. (laughs) Uh, Not for free. Anyway, um, take that. Make good. Anyway, if you're not a patron and you want the special deals and pre-sale opportunities for our live events, sign up now at patreon.com slash MullerSheWrote. Please note that depending on the venue, some let us have VIP discounts. Others let us do pre-sale. They're all different, so we're sorry we can't offer the same deals at all the venues. It's kind of up to them, but... As a patron, you also get ad-free main episodes, the midweek episodes. Now we do two episodes a week. It's a full hour-long episode that comes out Wednesday nights. You get access to all the bonus mini-sodes, the book club, the entire archive of all those, um, the premium newsletter, which includes all the articles we reference every week, and my own personal research notes, and there's also a bunch of great gifts. And guys, that's all for three bucks a month. So, uh, And once we start our daily show called Daily Beans, um, you'll be automatically enrolled in that Patreon, too. So you get both. Um, we just need a couple thousand more patrons to reach that goal. <laughs> <laughs> so think about it. But I think we can do it. Um, oh, we're, yeah. we're real close. So sign up today. Uh, also, the Manafort ringtone is up, right? Mm-hmm. And all proceeds go to Voices of Our City Choir. That's where you can get the fuck, fuck, fuck ringtone that was recorded for us by Voices of Our City Choir. That's a choir here in San Diego for homeless people, which is amazing. All proceeds go to them. Jordan, where can they get that? So if you look on, if you have an iPhone, go ahead and go to iTunes and then look up Manafort is dot, 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 and it will be the first result for ringtones because lots of people are buying it. So it's up there in the search results, which is nice. And then it's kind of a weird link if you're an Android user that you can just uh, go to my Twitter and it's... One of my first posts on there uh, that says, here's the link for the droids. It's like some weird website called, like, Tune. I don't know. Something. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, go to at Jordan's Confused. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So you can go on my Twitter, uh, at Jordan's Confused, Mm -hmm. uh, and believe everything I say first off and disregard (laughs) the handle. And second (laughs) off, uh, you can find, yeah, it's like the first or second post on there. It's more of a confused about, like, life in the universe. Not right. At an existential level. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, guys, we have no corrections from last week, which makes me think y'all were busy. Um, <laughs> because I never make it through an episode error-free. But if you have any corrections, send them to hello at com. Let us know if you don't want us to read your name on the air. Guys, we have a ton of news to get to, so let's jump in with just the facts. <laughs> 
All right, guys, the news in Roger Stonehenge this week was extensive. We learned that a third location was raided by the FBI, one of Stone's storage lockers in Florida. Maybe that's where all he where he stores all of his rocks. I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that he sells rocks, by the way. With the, he signs his name on a rock and he'll ship it to you. Mm-hmm. Roger Stones. I, I want to order like a hundred of them because they're only eight bucks and see like what he has to pay in shipping. I think that'd be funny. Don't give him the money, Ag. <laughs> it's just funny to me. He's gonna get kidney stones one day and get made of relentlessly. I know. Ooh, and what irony. good is what good is my money if I can't spend it on fun stuff, <laughs> like making him pay shipping on rocks? Uh, anyway, they raided his home and his office and his storage locker. All these guys seem to have storage lockers. <laughs> we could make a killing starting self-storage for colluding traders. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's a big neon sign that's like, no sketchy shit in here. Yeah. <laughs> and arrows literally yeah. everywhere else. Bad credit, <laughs> treason. <laughs> Not <know>. treason lockers. <laughs> Nothing to see. Uh, in other Stone news, the Mueller team is signaling to one of Stone's associates that another indictment is probably in the works. Uh, a defense attorney for Andrew Miller, that's the guy fighting the Mueller subpoena, was told Monday that Mueller wants testimony from Miller for the federal grand jury, making it clear to me and many others, many other experts, that Mueller and the Justice Department are considering additional superseding indictments of Roger Stone and a plan to possibly charge others. And the reason why here, guys, is that the grand jury, once it's done hearing a case for a crime, it's done. You can't bring in more witnesses to testify once the grand jury's already decided to indict. So if they're bringing in a guy who's going to testify about Stone, that means they have to be working uh, or at least considering an, a superseding indictment on Stone himself, right? No shit. <laughs> um, Mueller extended the grand jury for six months a few weeks ago. He wouldn't have done that if he didn't need additional testimony. And a superseding indictment, by the way, it's just like any other indictment. Um, it must be obtained the same way as the original indictment through a grand jury. And superseding indictments can include different charges, new charges, or they can add new defendants. Mm-hmm. Man- Manafort got some superseding indictments slapped on him right. a while back. And that's going to keep happening mm-hmm. because as soon as we pull all this collusion together, everybody's going to be named again. That's why why we keep hearing it's part of an open and ongoing investigation. <laughs> that's part of an open and ongoing investigation. And that's why you hear Trump supporters going, you got nothing. None of this has been about collusion. None of it's been about yeah. that. And it's like, yeah. Nothing burder. Not Nothing yet. Murder. <laughs> yeah, because the, you can't yet. He's he's going to do. Never mind. You know what? <laughs> I know how investigations work. You know how investigations work. They don't. Fine. Let them wallow in their stupidity. Um, I'm really spicy this week. Sorry. So if, I, <laughs> if I say something that offends somebody, like Junior put something up, like put up an old Kamala Harris tweet where she said something about Governor Northam in Virginia mm-hmm. uh, and fighting racism and bigotry. Uh, he's the guy who appeared in a photo in his yearbook where with a black face oh, and a yeah. Klansman's yeah. robe. I think he's the one yeah, in the robe. Look good. And um, he must be because <laughs> he, now should. he's saying he's not in it exactly. and how's anybody going to prove he's in the robe. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Don Jr. took that tweet of, of Kamala Harris and said, well, this is awkward and didn't age well. And I said, are you talking about your brother? <laughs> and everyone's all, ooh, AG. Spicy. Spicy. <laughs> Sweet, sassy, molassy. Ugh. That is hilarious, the hood thing. I mean, it's not hilarious at all, obviously. It's awful, but that defense that you can't identify who it is. That yeah. press conference today There's was not so much you could terrible. say back to that. I really mm-hmm. I didn't see it yet. Oh, it's bad. He's like, well, I d- it wasn't me. If it was me, it wasn't me. Right. Uh, but I did uh, do blackface dressing up as Michael Jackson one time. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, did you see him almost moonwalk like for a moment? Like, he almost tried. Yeah, they were like, oh, can you still moonwalk? And, and his wife's like, that's not an appropriate yeah. question right now. 
And what's really funny is, all, you know, all the comedians on the San Diego Comedian page are all, like, talking about doing Michael Jackson blackface. And as we all know, Michael Jackson bleached his skin going mm-hmm. forward. So he pretty much wasn't black anymore. And everyone's like, it was 1984. You would have had to have done blackface to do Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Because 1984 Michael Jackson actually was still black. Right. Yes. So he did whiteface. Yeah. He did do whiteface. I yeah. know. I was I was <laughs> sitting on that comment, but I'm like, I'm not gonna say it. I'm it's like, the truth. <laughs> we're gonna we're just gonna set him up for you, Jaleesa. You can knock him down. Yeah, Ali Hoop. Yes, <laughs> Ali Hoop. Ali <laughs> Hoop. Anyway, I think we're gonna get that big conspiracy uh, indictment group of aiding and abetting. We're I think we're gonna get it. Uh, Tuesday, Stone pleaded not guilty after the hearing was delayed for an hour and a half because Stone's lawyers can't get their shit together with their paperwork. (laughs) The day before arraignment, a minute order uh, issued by the judge reminded the lawyers they needed to file their forms to designate a sponsor licensed in D.C. They fucked up that paperwork in true Trump supporter style, uh, and they spent the entire next morning trying to get it right. Uh, oddly, one of Stone's lawyers is the same guy who repped N.W.A. back in the 80s in in their First Amendment case for explicit lyrics. So uh, Roger Stone's out on bail without paying a dime, by the way, and I was mad about this on Twitter. And Renato Mariotti and I will have this bail discussion uh, uh, today in this show at the interview at the end of the show. So stick around for that because I'm angry that rich people don't have to pay bail. <laughs> and so he explains it, and he's he's so great. He's like, I'm not telling you how I think it should be. I'm telling you how it is. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, stick around for that. Yeah, the bail system is so fucked up. Just a little side note. I went to jail once because I didn't pay a speeding ticket. And so there was a warrant out for my arrest and they arrested me. And I went to jail and then went to court. But it was a webcam courtroom. You don't even go into a real courtroom. And then basically you just walk up to the television and the judge on the other side, the TV, proceeds to just ask how much you could possibly afford. Like they tell you, you know, what your bail is set at. And then everyone is like, well, I don't have that. And then they're like, well, what can you give today? That's literally Zero. all they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> like, well, all of my assets are in a locker currently, so you took them before I could. I'll show you a titty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the old school. I guarantee way. that's happened, <laughs> especially in a Las Vegas jail. <laughs> yeah, a couple of guys. It doesn't work for them. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's some girl like, hey, baby, oh, pulling her shirt up. Yeah. I'm excited. But yeah, the bail system, like, profits off of all just chump change, you know? Like, yep. every day when these innocent, well, not innocent people, I guess <laughs> that's the nature of them being there. But <laughs> I mean, some of them are. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, why Why does Roger Stone not have to pay right, a, exactly. anything of his $250,000 just promising he won't, he'll show up to exactly. his court appearance? But um, you... That's my long-winded point, is yeah. that all the, like, people that don't have that money they don't are take your word for being it. held accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, what, do people think that, like, Roger Stone has more to lose? I, you know, I don't know. It's right. just fucked up. It's yeah. pretty losery. Finally, uh, Stone appeared Friday in Judge Amy Berman Jackson's courtroom, and she weighed a gag order, um, and she warned him not to treat the charges against him like a PR campaign or a book tour. She reminded Stone that it behooves him to shut the fuck up because <laughs> anything he says in public can be used against him in court. Everybody knows that. It's been on TV a lot. Uh, and his bullshit can't, he, like, he can taint the jury pool, right? Mm-hmm. With his shit. So she's given both sides until next week to weigh in on the gag order. Uh, if you recall, she gagged Manafort in his trial after his dumbass lawyer shot his mouth off in front of the courthouse <laughs> following his first court appearance. Uh, and then he went on to write an op-ed with a Russian. Uh, we'll keep you posted. <laughs> Judge Jackson, bless your heart. 
I don't know how you deal with these folks, but I just love that Stone pulled Jackson. I like the picture you posted of her. Um, she looks like a cool soccer mom type, but she's like badass too. Like I never knew what she looked like until you tweeted that out. Yeah, and that's why I did it. I was like, I don't think people know what she looks like. Yeah, yeah. It's just not what I had in mind, but it's cooler this way. She's got her pearls and everything. Yeah. She's a nice lady. She mm-hmm. looks like a nice lady. She. I mean, I'm sure she is too, but she like doesn't take any shit. No, no. She's just to see as hell so uh tuesday rep jackie spear oh wait we do have a correction uh, from last week it's spear not spire so thank you for that and jordan you actually had a correction from the midweek episode yes from our midweek episode we were covering the nra and uh, i referenced the insurance that the nra offers to their members and i had said that it was for the wrong party and then it was corrected uh, by one of our patrons that it's actually they'll give the insurance to the person that shot someone. <laughs> That's what they offer. Got it. So not the same as the t-shirts they hand out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so ridiculous to me. Um, anyway, so Jackie Spear sent Steve Mnuchin, the Secretary of the Treasury, a letter this week asking him about a deal he made in 2017 when he divested from his motion picture company called Rat Pack Dune, which is dumb. <laughs> um, it's such a boomer thing to call your company. Uh, anyhow, Rat Pack Dune, mm, he sold his shares to his partner, M- uh, Mnuchin did, for $25 bucks, and his partner was Len Blavatnik. And if Blavatnik sounds familiar, let's take a listen to an episode of Mueller She Wrote called Crossfire Hurricane from last May. Jaleesa, can you roll that clip? Oh, yeah. Uh, We learned that uh, the GOP took $7.5 million in donations from a Russian oligarch named Blavatnik. Um, The super PACs for Trump, McConnell, Rubio, Scott Walker, Lindsey Graham, John Kasich and John McCain accepted money from the Ukrainian-born Putin-tied oligarch. Blavatnik owns a big part of Rusal. That's the giant aluminum company partly owned by, you guessed it, Oleg Deripaska. (laughs) It's the same aluminum company that Trump aides are negotiating the sell-off of Deripaska's shares in exchange for an easing on sanctions. So, hmm, interesting dot. That was the worst list I've ever heard. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty bad. (laughs) Huh. So uh, Blavatnik gave $7.5 million to McConnell, Graham, Rubio, uh, Kasich, and Scott Walker during the 2016 campaign. Uh, he, he, he bought out Mnuchin, the Secretary of the Treasury, for $25 million, and he owns a bunch of Rusal shares. And McConnell, Graham, and Rubio took Blavatnik rubles and voted for lifting sanctions on Oleg Deripaska. So, yeah. Um, and we knew all this last May. And in fact, we got the reporting. The first guy, I think the first people who got uh, got onto it were the Dem Coalition and Scott Dworkin um, at Thunder on Twitter back in, I think, February. Uh, and then the Dallas Morning News put it out in May and we picked it up. And it's in the news now because sanctions have been lifted on Deripaska now this week. Additionally, after Mnuchin lifted the sanctions on Deripaska, one of Deripaska's companies added seven new directors to their board, including Chris Burnham. He's a guy who served on Trump's transition team and worked for Bolton at the U.N. Mm. (laughs) What? I'm going to listen to the rain for a second because it's so frustrating. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. We also had discussed in episode 48 that Mueller had a stint where he was stopping and frisking all kinds of Putin-tied Ukrainian-American emigres at airports in their private jets, remember? That was Blavatnik, was one of those guys, and Vexelberg, an in-trader. Vexelberg has ties to Herman German, German Kahn, and he was, (laughs) I call him that because we went through a long thing. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Uh, And he was at the Bank of Cyprus when Wilbur Ross ran it. So 
whoa. Uh, and Vexelberg gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Trump inaugural, by the way. Uh, and remember Sam Patton, uh, who's been indicted? He bought four inaugural tickets using a cutout and got reimbursed by a Putin-friendly oligarch. Mm-hmm. I think probably Intrader or Vexelberg are the ones who acted as that cutout. Uh, those are beans, not facts. <laughs> I mean, Sam Patton was uh, indicted, and he did buy $50,000 worth of inaugural tickets using a cutout, but it doesn't say who the cutout is. I'm right. guessing it's Intrader, Vexelberg, or Blavatnik. It's one of those guys. And don't forget, we reported in episode 30 that Avenatti released video of Intrader, Vexelberg, and Cohen meeting at Trump Tower during the transition. Intrader is the guy who owned Columbus Nova and dropped $500,000 into Cohen's slush fund called Essential Consultants. <laughs> it's fucking essential. So that's that guy. So knowing all that, a bipartisan bill was introduced in the Senate this week by Grassley and Blumenthal, bipartisan, called the Transparency Act. And that uh, allows special counsel reports to be released in full to Congress and the public. But given all we know about McConnell and the other GOP senators I mentioned taking Russian money from dudes who they voted to lift sanctions on, and that Mueller has stopped and frisked all those dudes at airports and is looking closely at their ties to the 2016 campaign and the Trump inaugural, do you really think... Uh, that McConnell will let this legislation pass. <laughs> no. So everyone can see what Mueller found. He's doubling down. No, I don't. It's th- his life on the line, I feel like. It's more than his career. I mean, this is like criminal like, yeah. investigations. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. In fact, I think the vote will mirror the Senate vote that allowed the lifting of sanctions on Deripaska, provided McConnell doesn't even block the vote altogether. So, yeah. With his shell. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like Mario Kart. Yeah. He yeah. just <laughs> drives by and throws his turtle shell at him. Oh, yeah. Uh, a little later on Monday, Matthew fucking Whitaker made some public comments about the Mueller probe. I wish he would keep Mueller's name out of his mouth. Um, he made some comments saying that Mueller's nearly done and should be issuing his report soon. And then, as though he knew he shouldn't have been commenting on an open and ongoing investigation, eight gallons of water poured out of his <laughs> giant head like someone gave him a swirly in one of his big dick toilets. Um, yet he continued blathering on, saying he's been fully briefed on the investigation, and he says that he looks forward to the Mueller delivering the final report. And he went on to say something like, I'm, uh, I really am not going to talk about an open and ongoing investigation otherwise, but the statements I made, but here I go to talk about it, uh, but the statements I made were as a private citizen with only publicly available information. It's, it's completely unimaginable to me that he'd comment on this investigation at all. Um, and speaking of improper investigation communication, Jordan, you reported this Wednesday in our, in our midweek episode that Barr talked to Pence about Mueller. Yeah, apparently uh, it was kind of not super, you know, climactic in nature, but he did admit that they had talked to each other a couple times, but more so just about procedures and personnel. Nothing really too juicy about the investigation itself. So there are seemingly not too many beans there. Uh, and especially since his verbal testimony matched his written testimony, so he's kind of avoiding suspicion at this point. Yeah, but given the crazy, ridiculous outcry from the Republicans when Loretta Lynch talked to Bill Clinton on the tarmac in an airplane for a few minutes, why are they cool with this? It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, especially since he had that memo in June of 2018, uh, that basically refuted the accusation that Trump may have obstructed justice by firing James Comey. So he yeah. already has of- officially done things, you know, that would like show his cards and where they may lie a little bit. So you would think they would be more scrutinable. Scrutinious. Scrutinious? I don't know. What am I Yeah, what the hell? They would put more scrutiny? I don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yes. With some more scrutiny on it. I think they'd look into it more. Yeah. 
Uh, and speaking of Matthew fucking Whitaker, he's slated to testify publicly to Congress February 8th. Um, also, Monday, Adam Schiff says Cohen has agreed to testify February 8th with the House Intel Committee, but that's behind closed doors since his public testimony was called off by Cohen's lawyer, Lanny Davis, who represents Fertosh, uh, because of viable threats from Trump and Giuliani about his father-in-law, you know. And if you want to know who his father-in-law is, I, I went in detail. I went into that in detail in Wednesday's midweek episode, so check that out if you if you missed it. Um, Cohen also has dumped his legal team completely, incidentally, so no more Guy Petrillo. Um, and he was a Southern District of New York guy. Instead, he hired two dudes from Chicago. He's probably trying to save money now that the bulk of his case is over with. And speaking of Cohen testifying to the House Intelligence Committee, the committee finally seated their Republican members, which means Mueller could conceivably get the testimony transcripts to Mueller. Wait, sorry. <laughs> Mueller could get them to Mueller. Mueller could conceivably get the testimony transcripts from the House Intel Committee by Tuesday, February 5th, this Tuesday. And as you know, the GOP had delayed seating its members, which may have cost Mueller a lot of precious time. Dems, who now hold the majority in the committee, have vowed that one of their first acts would be to release more than 50 witness interview transcripts to Mueller. And as it turns out, Mueller's had the unofficial transcripts the whole time, pretty much. But according to Schiff, Adam Schiff, you can't bring charges unless the committee authorizes the official release of the transcripts like they did with Stone and Cohen. Um, committee rules require that any business meetings must be set with three days notice, and those are three government days, not three regular days for people. Uh, which means the earliest they could meet would be Tuesday, February 5th. And that's a full month after the, the, the start of the 116th Congress. So they've delayed the Mueller investigation by a month. So I want that money back. Um, February 5th, give me my money back, Republicans, <laughs> and my T-shirt. It does allow us to exist as a podcast for longer. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the weirdest. <laughs> hey, at least we get to, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I had a little argument online. <clears throat> it happens. With the, a guy who, who was mad at Mueller for taking so long. <laughs> he was pissed that Mueller was taking so long, and he's like, fuck Mueller, blah. And I was like, whoa, dude, why are you mad at Mueller? And he's like, because uh, Trump's still president and all this shit's happening. And I'm like, yeah, Trump's president because of us, dude, not because, and Russia, you know, not because of Mueller. Like, why are you blaming Mueller? This is, you know, he's like, well, why don't you tell that to the kids who've died in, in internment camps. And I was like, how about you have the 100 million voters who didn't vote in the last election tell it to those kids? Because we get the government we deserve. Uh, this is government by the people, mm -hmm. right? Now everyone's like sitting up and going, oh, fuck. Yeah. But like blaming Mueller or being mad at Mueller is like if somebody shot your mom because you left the door unlocked and then you're yelling at the surgeon because he's not sewing her up fast enough. Exactly. Right. It's like a classic example of when these things happen that are out of our control. We turn against each other, sort of, trying to make some sense out of it all. And that doesn't really do anything except have infighting be a thing. I don't think anyone is suggesting it's good Mueller's taking this long or, or that it wouldn't be better if it was finished up quicker and Trump was gone sooner. I feel like that's understood universally. Yeah. So. But, I mean, considering the scope of this investigation and there's only 14 people working on it, like... It, it takes a minute. Watergate right. took for We've talked about this. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, I mean, everything in bureaucracy takes forever, notoriously. It's designed that way on purpose. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's also designed that way so that when they come to a finding, it's really, really hard to reverse it because they've been so thorough with how they got to that point. Yep. It's because if he had, you know, if he goes ahead and releases the indictments he has, that could wreck his whole case. So just chill. I Patience. promise. Yeah. I promise everything. Listen to the rain. <laughs> 
<laughs> I promise everything's going to be okay. Um, I mean, not for everyone, and, and bad shit's happening. I understand that. I don't want to belittle that. There's terrible sh- Rome is burning, basically. Mm-hmm, but right. the justice system will prevail. It just, and I'm sorry, it just it takes a while. Right. I'm not sorry. Fuck you. I uh, imagine Mueller's going as fast <laughs> as he can. It just takes him. He is, and he's and he's really good. So, anyway. And and he's not the end all be all too. He's going to come out with the facts. It's going to be up to us what we what we do with them. So exactly, let's not rely on him for everything. Okay, right. Yeah, and again, if they just haphazardly blew through this investigation or something, it'd make it way easier for something to happen again, and for there to be more kids that die in essentially internment camps, and it could be Trump way could worse. Get reelected, and we'd have four more years of this. Yeah. So, yes, it's it's important that it's done correctly. Right. And yeah, sorry. No, it's cool. That's it. But also, uh, February fifth is when they meet, right? And that's when they're probably going to get those transcripts over to Mueller. February fifth is also the same day as the State of the Union address, which uh, was supposed to be the day the Senate voted to confirm Bill Barr for Attorney General. But that vote has been postponed, much to the chagrin of Matthew fucking Whitaker, I'm sure, <laughs> who was probably hoping Barr would be confirmed before he has to testify on February eighth, so he would have an excuse not to. Uh, yeah, you heard right. Bar the bar vote has been delayed because Democrats want a stronger commitment from him to make the Mueller report public. Um, during a hearing on Tuesday, Dianne Feinstein said that Barr's indication that he would write a separate report that he would provide to Congress instead of Mueller's report is something that needs to be fleshed out. And we'll keep you posted on the story as it progresses. I haven't seen any updates uh, as of the time of this recording. I'm glad they're holding their ground on that one. Yeah, the dumbs aren't effing around this time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I abbreviated fuck that time. <laughs> um, <laughs> one fuck. <laughs> I'm practicing for regular radio. Oh, yeah. No, we're not. If. if <laughs> it. Uh, also this week, Judge Ellis, crazy-ass honey badger from the rocket docket, canceled Manafort's sentencing hearing um, as his determination of breach of plea royals on in the D.C. courts. Uh, that hearing uh, about his breach of plea is in D.C. February 4th. So February 4th we have the hearing. February 5th we have SODU. And we've got the Schiff at sending the transcripts over. February 8th we've got Whitaker unless <laughs> Barr gets confirmed. And we've got Cohen's closed-door testimony. It's a nutty week this week. Oh, so yeah. That's our Super Bowl. <laughs> subscribe now. Um, yeah, there's a lot of sports things happening this weekend. And I'm just uh, trying to get my fantasy indictment league together. Um and then Tuesday, the Armed Services Committee began its investigation into Trump's deployment of troops to the southern border just before the midterm election. Remember, I put like 6,000 6, mm-hmm. people down there. And Maddow pointed out something really interesting. Trump's been making claims that women are being dragged across the border with tape over their mouths, duct tape and electrical tape. Um, Trump aides have tried to verify this with Border Patrol without any luck. They can't find any <laughs> instances of this occurring. And that's according to Vox. Uh, Vox News. He's also said that Mexico has amazing, fast, incredible cars. They're big and fast, and they outrun our border patrol, and they can't possibly catch them. And then finally, he said that they found prayer rugs. Remember that? Insinuating prayer rugs mean Muslims, and Muslims mean ISIS, which, what a weird connection to make. Um, well, check this out. All three of those things, prayer rugs, duct tape on women's mouths, and big, amazing Mexican cars that outrun the Border Patrol, all those things are plot points in a movie called Sicario, Day of the Soldado. (laughs) So Trump might have gotten all of his wall talking points from a movie. Um, And the Dems in Congress are going to investigate that to see uh, if his troop deployment was based on necessity or if it was bullshit. We already know the answer, but they're going to... Yeah, how would they have improved that? (laughs) By, By showing there's nothing there. Yeah, by but trying to sh- try, you know, saying show us your evidence that there's a, an emergency at the border. Right. Show us your evidence. 
It's reminiscent of the WMD thing. That whole decade. Oh, that was a fun time. <laughs> Good times. My childhood. Um, I, I'm going to put some beans on Trump declaring an emergency during his State of the Union address on Tuesday so he can steal our money for disaster relief to pay for his wall. The Dems will sue him at that point, and they'll probably win, so don't worry. Um, justice will prevail. Uh, we learned Tuesday that Trump and Putin had another secret meeting with no staff or U.S. translator present. This one was at, GF, at the G20 summit in 2017, not the most recent one, but the one before. And uh, it marks at least a half a dozen secret meetings with Putin we had to learn about from Russian state media. The reason you don't want to meet with an adversary without staff present is because someone like Putin can then tell the world you advocated for something you did not, and you would have no proof to cover your ass. So, for example, if Putin wanted to come out and tell everyone that Trump had agreed not to withdraw from Syria or not to oppose Maduro in Venezuela, which Putin does, uh, he can totally say that, and Trump can't dispute it. Not to mention the timing of these leaks uh, about secret meetings between Trump and Putin from Russia state television. It's interesting they would report a year-old meeting right when Trump came out with his anti-Putin Venezuela plan, which is definitely a Pompeo and Bolton joint. It's not his idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I just have this picture of, like, Bolton and Pompeo being like, We're, let's, let's, you know, let's get Maduro out of there. And he's like... No, Putin's going to love it, I swear. You know. <laughs> yeah. just, oh, okay, in that case. Like, that's what they always say. Putin will love it. Um, anyway, Russian state television can release these secret canoodles if Trump isn't acting the way they want him to. That's called leverage, and it prevents our president from acting in the best interest of the American people. And did you see the giant bitch slap Putin handed Trump this week, by the way, when he revealed that Kim Jong-un is his new side piece? Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty, yeah. Pretty great. And they've been negotiating denuclearization in the Korean pen- Peninsula for over a year, just like Trump thought he was doing that, right? And that shows what a weak position Trump is in and that uh, it's detrimental to our allies and our own national security that he's that weak. Um, how Trump supporters can't see this is beyond me. I don't, I don't understand how they can't put that together. There was also a brief NRA update this week. Jordan, you were mentioning that with your correction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan covered in the midweek episode. I think the news part of that update was that the NRA is trying to distance itself from Russia as the Mueller probe marches on, particularly former executives and presidents saying that uh, they opposed the 2015 NRA trip to Moscow with Butina and Torshin. Right. Is that pretty much the gist? Yeah, even though the ties are extremely explicit. <laughs> Very. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we didn't do the deal. Right. That's because that's how Russia operates. And they're still only, they're sticking to their guns (laughs) on the (laughs) $2,500 of reported campaign donations from Russia or people that are linked to Russian bank accounts. (laughs) Sticking to their guns. (laughs) But yeah, so hopefully the uh, Mueller will be able to get the IRS tax returns. I'm sure they have them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and all this is um, uh, um, comes amid signs of money trouble. Like, they they stopped giving free coffee to they their did. employees. They did. Uh, and gun control groups are now outspending the NRA yep. in the midterm. That's the first time that's ever happened since the NRA's been there. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and Go ahead. Nothing. Oh. You <gasps> oh, sorry. I just breathe heavy. Sticking <laughs> to your gun. Only on the in-breath. <laughs> We're just breathing to cover <gasps> the rain sound so you can't hear it. We're always going to keep talking and making sounds. Uh, then Thursday, we got word that two the two block calls Don Jr. got after the Trump Tower meeting in June of 2016 were not directly from his dad's phone. Sources told reporters, sources, hmm, I'm a little weird about this, told reporters that they came from two different people, a dude named Howard Lorber, and that's a funny name. I feel like you should say it like Droopy Dog. Lorber. <laughs> Lorber. I like that guy. Uh, and NASCAR CEO Brian France. Mm. 
Um, both of these guys are really good friends with Trump Sr. Uh, and Howard Lorber is one of Trump's best friends. Uh, he was a campaign advisor, part of Trump's inner circle. He has significant ties to Russia and even traveled with Trump to Russia to help him with uh, some real estate deals because he's a real estate developer. And he speaks with Trump regularly. So this is one of the guys Trump Jr. called as soon as he learned the Kremlin wanted to give his dad stolen Clinton emails and we're supposed to believe it's exculpatory. So to me, and I agree with Seth Abramson on this, he put a big thread out on Twitter, Lorber is now a witness, and the revelation in no way exonerates Trump. It actually makes it worse for him, especially since we know Trump has a tendency to sit in on calls to others on speaker phones, right? Um, Mueller has the Trump Tower videotapes, and I'm sure we can easily find out if Lorber or France were in the building that day because we know Trump Sr. was. And I just picture, like, Lorber sitting up in Trump Sr.'s office with him and taking that call from Don Jr. and putting it on speakerphone. Uh, and if not, I'd like to know if Lorber or France made any calls to Trump or his office or Rona that day. Mm-hmm. So put some beans on that. This part of the investigation isn't over. Um, and even if it was, like, even if this is the truth, there's still nothing barring Jr. from walking up the stairs to his dad's office and talking to him about it or the millions of other ways he could have communicated with Trump about the meeting. Mm-hmm. I just find it odd that it leaked. It seems like a red herring to me. Like, oh, you've elim- eliminated one way that your son could have told you about this. So there must not have been any. Right. It is kind of a bummer, too, though, even if they can corroborate that, you know, some phone calls went to Trump conceivably, they can't corroborate the content of the call really so all they could do is just be like yeah the timeline would match up we don't know what they talked about though yeah unless they have have unless they were wiretapping him i don't know true they might have had a fisa warrant on trump yes thank you patriot act yes (laughs) um it it reminds me of this old batman thing um uh burns sent me right where one guy picks up the, the, there's one guy in an office, he's got two phones there, two old-style, old-school phones, and he picks up one and picks up the other and then puts them together so that the people are talking to each other <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> I just picture them doing some dumb shit like that because they're, you know, they can't tech. Yeah. All right, guys, that's the facts for the week. We'll be right back. Hey, Muller Junkies, it's not too late to kick off your year right, so stay on track to meet your New Year's resolutions and meet your goals with Noom. Most people want uh, who lose weight, they gain it all back, and that's because weight loss plans, they just tell you what to do while you're on the plan, and there's no plan for what to do afterwards. But with Noom, you lose the guilt and you learn how to develop a new relationship with food, so that's super helpful. And not to mention, everything that you need is in the palm of your hand. You have a nutritionist, uh, a weight loss coach, a motivating group of community of other Noom users, you get a step counter, you get to put your exercise in there, you get a food log, and then you get all these cool lessons and tricks and tips, and they use, you know, psychology and stuff to help you not just lose weight, but change your lifestyle. Yeah, and if you're really busy and you don't have the time to read every single word, they actually anticipate that busy people are using this, and they highlight the really really important parts of the articles. And it's all very useful information. They talk about cortisol levels, psychology of, you know, how you plate your food, and it's, it's all a healthy view that is smart and intelligent and easy to follow. Yep, I lose about two pounds a week on this, which is a nice, good yeah. pace uh, for me. And... Uh, What's really cool is you go on, go online, go to Noom.com, take their 30-second online evaluation, and it shows you how much weight you can lose, and you put your goals in, and it kind of tailors a program for you. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, my specific goal, personally, is, you know, we're going on tour on March 30th, and I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm an 8 in San Diego, but I'm like a 6 in New York, so I need to... <laughs> 
you know, I need to get there. And it, for me, it's not just about losing weight. It's about feeling confident. It's about being healthy. And it's about maintaining that and knowing in my mind that, you know, if I have a cookie, that the world's not going to end. Definitely not. And it's good for the world. It and is. you. <laughs> it's good for the world and you. So Noom is designed for results. Meet your resolutions by signing up for your trial today at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash A-G. What do you have to lose? Get it? Visit Noom.com slash A-G to start your trial today. Again, that's Noom.com slash A-G. Start losing weight for good. All right. Welcome back. Hot notes. All right, guys. Welcome back. Today, Jordan has a fancy Trump interview with the New York Times. But first, Julissa, you have an update on Papa Doc. What do you got? Yes. From uh, the coffee pot boy to just the pot boy. Uh, <laughs> on Wednesday, CNBC <laughs> reported that George Papadopoulos, fresh out of his 12-day stint in federal prison, has already landed himself a new job on the board of advisors at a pro-Trump medical marijuana company called C3 International. Wait, wait, wait. 12 days? Did he get he, out early on good behavior? He did. For, actually, he cashed in on two days that he spent in jail before the official 14-day sentence. So, <laughs> yeah, he was a good boy and also, um, I guess, a smart boy. Because I, I know you could do that. And can felons even sell weed? I guess he's, he's on the advisory board, so it's not really selling it. It's, uh, yeah, I, you know, we should all call the federal cops on. on yeah, right on now. Thing. Yeah, I think it's session think about this. I think it's actually cannabis. I don't, I think they might be doing CBDs. Exactly. They're yeah, doing these pills. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the company makes like a concentrated type of weed pill, and they say it offers an alternative to opiates and narcotics. Um, and now that I think about it, if your target audience is Trump supporters, you probably do have really strong weed, right? Like, Yeah, you definitely have a lot of opiates. So. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. no. Go, go. Are you sure? I was just going to riff on like some potential names for like their weed strains, like uh, No Collusion Kush or um, <laughs> Presidential OG Coffee Boy Haze. I don't know. What were you going to say, Coffee Jordan? Boy uh, <laughs> Coffee Boy Haze, yeah. <laughs> Kush didn't collude Kush. <laughs> just Kush Kush. There you really? go. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. couscous. I like that. Kush Kush. <laughs> or... Uh, cushy life for all the wealthy OC people because oh, yeah. it's an OC right it, OC that's what? where he's living I'm pretty sure Orange County oh, yeah well this company is in California yeah, so yeah. it's probably Orange County yeah, yeah, yeah I uh yeah I think he moved into yeah one of the wealthiest places cushy in California life. I like that which we yeah. flipped blue Woo! yes Hell we did yeah. Mike Levin what up? hey hey yeah <laughs> represent it was just me and you we knocked on doors yeah <laughs> we did one time it, was, <laughs> it counted guys that yeah, made a did. difference and yeah, every yeah. time we went there they were like we've seen 17 of you today yeah. really that's amazing <laughs> yeah. yeah and they're like don't worry we're not voting for the a-holes thank you all we need to hear uh yeah so they have this pill it's called idrasil which kind of sounds like idris elba yeah right? i was gonna say yeah idrasil it's not allowed to play bond in the next bond film right that's for sure because of racism <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't really know what the argument is me neither yeah probably race but um they said quote this is the first standardized form of medical cannabis which at first sounded like bullshit to me i thought that like saying they're the first standardized cannabis like i'm an avid stoner like i go to all these <laughs> dispensaries i see weed pills all the time but i think what what they're saying or maybe what 
he's saying is that like he might know something we don't know and so i imagine maybe the trump administration would like kind of crack down on pot you don't think so aj you're he's shaking full your- of shit he, 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 here's what he's doing he's trying to justify selling it at the price he's selling it at. well yeah so the thing is that it costs for a 30-day supply of idrisel it's 500 dollars, oh and then for God. i guess a standard case of 24 bottles it's twelve thousand dollars dude hello at muller she wrote we can get you a better deal yeah no seriously <laughs> yeah Although I do like the idea of giving Trump supporters a bunch of marijuana. Maybe that will chill them the fuck out. Well, this is already a pro-Trump marijuana company. Exactly. They're already smoking, so I feel like it's not working. Maybe it's making them more paranoid. Uh, Yeah. I would imagine That's it, true. No, it's only sativa. Yeah, no sativas for Trump supporters. Just yeah. indica. Maybe yeah, they just, just maybe they're just getting shake weed from Mexico. Oh <laughs> wow, I've had Mexican oh, weed. Dude. Yeah, yeah that'd be beautiful. Imagine he has like his own pop it up tunnel to Mexico that he's just <laughs> getting all this cheap shake from. <laughs> dude, you know it. He's got a he's run an operation with Trump where all the ice guys who stop the weed that comes over through the ports of entry, oh, not snap. where we need a wall. It goes he's straight to all C3 them and International, making, and they're just grinding it down and adding water. There you go. Pills. You heard it here yep. first, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. but the, but the, what he'll do is he'll say it's it's not supposed to get you high, so don't expect to feel high. Exactly, but you will feel very better. Yeah. Yes. And they don't specify this is CBD. I wonder because like THC would make them high, but it is a pill. So. Yeah, they don't say, which I thought was interesting very because. I, I saw a cannabis company and I'm mm-hmm. like, are they selling weed? Are they selling? It used to be a dispensary CBD? too, like a regular dispensary. The guy, the uh, the CEO of it, his name is uh, Steel Smith. No, an, yeah, that's his real that's name. A good name. Yeah, he said he chose Papa Dot because of the access that he provides to the company to Mexico. <laughs> the access to what? I think the White House because the guy's Myth a big food? Trump supporter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it's like, oh, if I've got a. An ally of Trump, they mm-hmm. won't come knocking on my door. Yeah, they found each other on LinkedIn, and he said he was attracted <laughs> to Papa Dop because he's a conservative like him. So you know, love at first sight. I John guess John Boehner's doing weed now. Yeah, really? that's right. Yeah, Boehner's I don't doing like weed. This. His eyes ge- did always look glassy. You 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 have to know that as soon as weed got legal in most states, the, that a bunch of rich gonna, white dudes are going to try to take it over. You're going to start hearing the word "big weed" mm-hmm. versus uh, the small businesses. Soon. Yeah, you're totally um, right. And you know, if you want to get out ahead of that, start your own collective um, of of anti corporate weed weed mm-hmm. weed. <laughs> this guy, he also uh, steal. He wants to be on Trump's board of like cannabis study groups. Like, so he like specifically mentioned that he wants to be on that panel. So he's like kissing Trump's ass, and you know he wants to work for the White House, and he's working with Papa Dobbs. So he's just happy to have someone that was close to Trump. Well, if we can yeah. get Trump to overturn federal um, Schedule One shit, yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right though. I think he's jumping the gun and doesn't really care about that. More so, just wants to get in as big weed. Yeah, before other people can get. Honestly, in. okay, here's just beans like what if trump did crack down on on pot because pot's booming right now like you can walk into it like the apple store it's well, so accessible. Is gone he was the one cracking down true, on weed and he's true. gone so yeah. we have to figure out what bill Barr is where and he stands exactly and from a business perspective they might want to like you said edge out the small business so like if they crack down like pop it up was saying that this is going to be the first standardized weed which makes me think that like maybe he's like oh when everyone else is out of the way They'll have to come to us because those prices are ridiculous. Gross. Yeah, yeah. People They'll be the Walmart of weed. Exactly. There needs to be a, a grassroots weed lobby called Weed the People. Dude, that's beautiful. Aww. Totally. Isn't that lovely? We need that. Weed for the people, by the yeah. people. Weed yes. the people. I wonder. People are probably buying this though because people bought fire festival tickets. So I, at first, I was like, these prices. Good, are, yeah, people yeah. who can f- who can afford front row at NASCAR are yeah. buying the shit out of totally. it. Totally. Yeah. 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 Ridiculous. Also. Uh, 
the weed the people that kind of sounds a little bit like ethnic cleansing or something so weed i take people. back that name <laughs> i never would have thought of it That's that bad. way until yeah. you said <laughs> weed out the people yeah. there right. you go yeah. yeah wow don't give oh, them ideas weed. jordan <laughs> <laughs> well you know it depends on who you're weeding out if we're weeding out trump supporters good point yeah, yeah. that's yeah. true i'd call the fuck out of that herd that's mm-hmm. true but Someone's historically we're all f- like you know pacifists so when I, when I think about getting rid of people i'll punch yeah. a nazi though i will <laughs> All right, Jordan, how did that Trump interview go with the oh, New York yes. Times? All right, here we go. Sorry. <laughs> and now for a segue. Yes. Um, so he sat down with the New York Times, the fanning New York Times, <laughs> as he calls it, uh, on Thursday in the Oval Office. The interview started out pretty much with, uh, it was like a good interview. It was actually one of Trump's better interviews. Wow. I, and you've been critical before. He so seemed like, calm, didn't right. he? He did. Interesting. Yeah. Which, I mean, he still talks like a blubbering idiot, but, <laughs> but at in least. Comparison to- yeah, like yeah. he didn't. He wasn't yelling. Yes. Yeah. No. Okay, he didn't okay. like Giuliani or anything, you mm. know. Um, so the interview, they start out talking about trade deal negotiations that are happening with China right now. Trump's saying, like, the talks are going well, nothing set in stone, but he thinks they're going somewhere good. Uh, he said that they're, quote, uh, they've done very successfully, which is not how you say words, but <laughs> I digress. Uh, Peter Baker of the New York Times, he was one of the guys interviewing. He asked if the tariffs are going to still remain, to which Trump said yes, because he said we wouldn't even be in these trade talks right now if the tariffs didn't exist in the first place. So they're just going to keep them and hold them over China's head forever, basically. Wow. Um, And then Trump also had to take this chance to slip in that the World Trade Organization is the worst deal we've ever made, (laughs) with the number two being, guess... Uh, the Iran nuclear deal? No, good guess. Uh, though. The NATO? Uh, close. Uh, the, the Korean NAFTA? Yes. Yeah. Boom! Bing, bing, bing. We have a winner. Very nice. I'm just going through all the best <laughs> stuff ever. <laughs> yep, NAFTA. Uh, uh, sliced bread. Uh, the wheel. Yeah. Fire. It's oh, a man. cool Family Feud episode, though. I would love to see that, like a Mueller themed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, we figured out what the Mueller dating site would be called. Oh, what is it? Mueller. M U E L L R. Oh, I like that. I heard Resistor yeah. with an R too, but I like yeah, but Mueller. That looks like sister. Uh, okay, so then Maggie Haberman, she was also there. She asked Trump if the stresses of this is great. She asked him if the stresses of the presidency have been too much on his family. And if he's considering not running, <laughs> which is like an amazing way to just be like, get the fuck out, bitch. <laughs> We're fucking done with That's you. That's the, Ma- the Maggie Haberman way of saying, have you even thought about this? It was like when uh, the judge in Flynn's trial was like, did you guys think about charging <laughs> yeah. him with treason? Like, was that even a thing? Because <laughs> maybe you should look at that. Yep, totally. Just slipping that idea into his brain. Uh, but then Trump obviously is like, no, I'm definitely running again. And he said that he wants to spend his whole next term rebuilding the military and focusing on national security, uh, which also reads spending McCain's a lot of money. NDAA was $916 million, billion. He, it's rebuilt. Like, I mean, I guess that's what the NDA has been forever. And nobody ever really dismantled the military. But yes, but not enough money was specifically allocated to screwing brown people over. Good point. But good he point. had enough to send 6,000 troops. That's three times as many that are in Afghanistan over to or excuse me syria over to the border to our southern border so he and what you know what cool dude (laughs) yeah no i mean i do also i'm with you i read that as complete bullshit and only uh i can't imagine that it's going to go to the stuff that you know a good samaritan would hope it would go to like better planes they have like super outdated planes and shit. People are like dying on fucking military plane trips, going to trainings within our own country. It's like fucked up. Um, anyway, so 
He then goes on, Trump, to make the claim that this is great. He has an approval rating of 93% within the Republican Party, which uh, would like normally blow my mind and I'd scoff at that number, but I wouldn't put anything past the Mitch McTurtle-led lizard men. So, <laughs> the, the number I've seen is 81. Yeah, and so he's saying 93. Also saying that it's higher than Reagan. He has to do a little jab at Reagan there. Always. Uh, always. He's then asked about who he thinks the Democratic front runner is right now, to which he responded, Camila Harris. He said that? <laughs> yeah, he said it wrong. Is that he why is that wrong. why he says is that why he calls Nancy Pelosi Nancy because he can't say Pelosi? <laughs> oh maybe. That's I've a good heard point. A, I've heard that rumor. Yeah. So maybe be. he just should just call her Harris. Do just call her Harris. Yeah. <laughs> um, Camila. Yeah, Camila Harris. And um <laughs> Yeah. So the fact that he thinks she's a front runner, I, it probably means we can see some locker up memes in the foreseeable future. Oh, definitely. Um, then they bring up the story about Kushner's security clearance and ask if Trump has ever directed anyone to basically force his clearance through. Uh, he said no, and that he has also never met any of the people that even do the security clearances, which sounds like that might be a meeting worth having, but I don't know about <laughs> He put that guy in there. Oh. Yeah. Then they move on to Mattis, uh, and then Trump claims that he actually directed Mattis to give him a resignation letter. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, obviously he can't break up with any sort of, like, dignity. He has to go (laughs) out and, like, a shit-talking tour that no one's buying, but he just won't let it die, you know, because he's, like, already up to, like, neck shit at that point. (laughs) He just has to commit to it. Neck depth shit. Yes. Um, So then, in the middle of the interview, this is a great little part, an aide comes in and says that Trump has some very important calls when he's finished, and I'm pretty sure Trump orchestrated that interruption uh, as a potential out number one, but also a time to say that he has important things happening, because he said important calls. Hmm. Make sure you say important. Hmm. He learned that from the last one, because he just kept going on and on. He was like, don't you have anything better to do, dude? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, And then he kissed the New York Times ass, which is weird. He's like, Nothing's more important than the New York Times. Yeah, weird. what a weird turn. The right? failing New York Times? Yeah, the failing New York Times. That one? Yeah. Maybe he thinks it was like the, like Bob's New York Times. It's like a different <laughs> one. <laughs> Support small business. Small New York Times. <laughs> small New York Times. <laughs> um, They're in direct competition with like the big New York Times. Yeah. Uh, Wait, you're the New York Times? The small New York Times. Yep, from the small apple. That's how you get them. So you get the interview. <laughs> the small apple. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> They're all worms. Okay. <laughs> then they move on to the topic of uh, all the books that are coming out right now that are like insider views of how fucked up everything is in the administration. For example, Bob Woodward's Fear. And then he's talking about this, Donald Trump is, and then he turns to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who apparently has been in the room the whole time, and (laughs) when he's talking and he says that it was his staff's fault that he never talked to Woodward before the book came out. Yeah, but he had Kellyanne Conway on the call when when Woodward was there, and Woodward's like, I talked to Kellyanne many times, and he's like, really, Kellyanne, get in here, and she's like, yeah, I talked to him, and I asked you about it, and you said no, and he's like, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) That's been settled. Exactly, and then he just did the same thing to Sarah, just threw her under the bus completely, (laughs) and then she just responds with, like, one sentence. She says, to this day, I have never spoken to him. (laughs) It's like... It must be so annoying, fucking yeah, yeah. Annoying is well, the nobody contacts of the Huckabee Sanders to get to Trump. I mean, right? Um, God, he's a dipshit. Yeah. So then they shift over to some more Mueller-related stuff. Specifically, uh, Trump comes out of the gate running as soon as these questions start coming as fast as he can, saying that Stone never worked for his campaign. 
they started talking about Stone. Then the the Times corrects him and says, yes, he did, back in the fall of 2015. And then Trump says, well, that was a long time. And I think he meant to say that was a long time ago, but he accidentally told the truth. So <laughs> that was funny. Uh, Trump says he never had any conversations with Stone about WikiLeaks. Then the Times reminds him that that was actually in the indictment. And Trump says he didn't read the indictment. But if one did read it, they'd learn that there was no collusion with Russia. Because Trump apparently doesn't read. He just reads documents' minds. And that's how he knows their <laughs> info's legit or something. And that's literally the opposite of what it says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you did read it, you would know that you can read. And I didn't. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. He really opens himself up to some criticism, if mm-hmm. I must say. Yeah, but n- it never sticks to him, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so he Teflon says Don. He, <laughs> he says that he respects Stone for saying that he wouldn't testify against him. Makes sense. Uh, but you could have guessed that from the Nixon tattoo on his back that he wasn't going to turn against him. They then ask him about Trump Tower Moscow. Trump cannot say enough about how non-important that letter of intent to build was. He says talks as far as he knew ended early to mid-2016, but that even if he was building, he would have been allowed to build 20 buildings. And then he says George Washington ran a business when he was in office, and it was fine. Right? What? Yeah. And like, then the New York slavery? Times were like, but isn't there... <laughs> <laughs> he sold people daily. <laughs> Nobody oh gave him any shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What, what business? I'm Seriously. I don't know, but I didn't George's even look into it. I should have looked into it. <laughs> he yeah. sold apples or some shit. I like think that. the Times knew what he was talking about, though, because they responded with, there's a difference between a domestic business and potentially doing business with Russian figures. Exactly. Slash adversaries. <laughs> I doubt Washington was working with the Russians. <laughs> yeah, he was going to build Washington Tower in, yeah. in, in London. Yeah, mainly because they had... <laughs> Washington Tower London. He had to pedal for 50 hours in the water just oh to like God. say one thing. <laughs> That's it. He made canoes. Yeah. That's true. There was that whole picture. There's a Delaware thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Trump, he said he said this quote about, in, in response to them, you know, making him answer to that ridiculous counter argument he says quote i have nothing all i did was be a good candidate russia didn't help me russia did not help me there was no collusion there was none of that i was a good candidate i did a good job i won't say whether she was a good candidate or not i mean the primary collusion was hillary clinton if you take a look peter i mean look at that funny dossier some of that money they say went to russia podesta was involved with russia there's too much. I'm done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I love but the impression, though. It really puts you in the room, which oh, is so you. frustrating to hear. Yeah. I mean, uh. I think it's, I mean, we all could fill in the blanks of what he was going to say. So, <laughs> f- finishing up really quick here. He then says that none of his deputy AGs have said that at any point he has been considered a target of the Mueller probe. Right. Including Rosenstein. Including Rosenstein. In fact, Rosenstein told him he wasn't, right? Right. Mm. But then. I mean, no, that didn't happen. That's what Trump says. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And then he also says that. Uh, he admits Bitch, Snoop Dogg was wiretapping your ass. Don't even <laughs> fucking tell me that. You know. Yeah, well, it sounds he, like a song. Snoop Dogg wiretapping your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something about I'd tap that. Yeah, yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he he does admit though that Rosenstein did never he he did never explicitly say that SDNY's investigation did or did not label Trump as a target. So he did admit that he doesn't know. He doesn't know what's going on in this Kind of, in a roundabout way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And then, I mean, he gets asked about Cohen's father-in-law threatening him. He's like, I didn't threaten him. I actually don't even remember exactly what I said, but I didn't threaten him. <laughs> oh, no. He's pulling a Reagan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't that, recall. Oh, uh, yeah. I yeah. don't recall. Yes, basically. Well. And then he rounds out, they round out the interview talking about Pelosi and how he got totally dominated. <laughs> and uh, he says that he's just going to wait out this next funded period and then is fully prepared to declare a national emergency. So yeah. that's pretty much his plan. That's essentially what he said. I think he might actually do it at State of the Union. Oh, snap. Talk about a drama queen. Oh, totally, dude. Yeah. That's so petty. He would for sure do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he would and he would talk about how Nancy wouldn't let him come, but he's here. And yeah. now, and if F you, Nancy, I'm going to declare an emergency and build my wall since you wouldn't give it to me. And he's just going to sit there and poke the bear and it, yeah. it, he'll lose he'll lose it'll be the anyway. most partisan state of the union address ever he's so yeah. weird uh, I'm interested to see if RBG shows up oh <laughs> good point yeah yeah she's still recovering so we'll see alright thanks Jordan um, yeah yes. thanks dude you're welcome sorry that was long no <laughs> sorry it happens uh, this Wednesday um, for my hot note in a federal court filing Mueller's team asked asked the judge to reject a motion filed by the lawyers in the Concord management case that would require Mueller to share sensitive evidence with them as part of discovery in preparation for trial. Usually during discovery, when information is sensitive, the judge would issue a protective order, um, and that would keep the defendant from sharing that information with the public. That's what uh, they did Wednesday, for example, in the Stone case. Mueller filed all the evidence with the court and said that since a lot of it is sensitive, he asked for a protective order. But in the Russia case, it's Russia. Mueller, Mueller doesn't want to have the, give them sensitive U- United States you know, government documents and evidence that could reveal sources and methods because they're going to end up in the hands of Yevgeny Prigozhin and the Kremlin. Then, as part of Russia's relentless attack on our democracy, the Russians from Concord Management took some non-sensitive discovery from Mueller, altered it, forged it, and used it as a desinformatia to, credit, to discredit the Mueller investigation. They had taken these documents and created an anonymous Twitter account and tweeted, we have hacked Mueller and we have his reports, see them all here, and then posted a link to these reports that they made look totally boring and uneventful, completely doctored, um, and they did this in an effort to say Mueller has no evidence against Russia and discredit his investigation, and they reached out to American media companies to try to get them to run this story. That is classic active measures, classic desinformatia, which is Russian for disinformation measures, just so you know. Uh, joining us today to discuss some past active measures so we can have a frame of reference is the writer and director of the documentary Active Measures, Jack Bryan. Jack, welcome back to Muller, She Wrote. Thanks for having me back. So we know the Russians have a storied past of creating disinformation campaigns uh, or disinformatia and reaching out to American, American media outlets to amplify their message and sow discord. And I was hoping you could give us some examples of this from the past. Yeah, so this fits really well in line with what the then Soviets, now Russians, have been doing since the 1930s. Uh, But I think the most interesting example is from the 1980s, when they tried to make it look as though the CIA had manufactured the uh, HIV virus. Um, And it it fits in line in that when they're doing um, a domestic active measures operation, usually their motivation is just to seed chaos, that you never really know where you are. But foreign active measures operations uh, usually have uh, two purposes. Uh, One is just to create fissures generally within that country that they're doing it against. And the other is to discredit somebody uh, or some organization. 
And in this, it was to uh, stoke racial tensions in America and to discredit the CIA. And the means that they did this was they basically planted in an African newspaper a story that the CIA had, uh, had created it and that this, and it got a little bit of traction. But then they started pushing that article uh, to their networks in America. Uh, and they had some penetration, it seems, into uh, Black Panthers and a few um, Black separatist groups. Uh, and they were attempting to sort of dial into this real grievance. Uh, and uh, so, one of the, so when they create a story, for example, the CIA created AIDS, it has to be something that is uh, divisive. It dealt with race and AIDS, specifically as an attempt to, just, to kill black people with AIDS was the, uh, was the story. Uh, and so because of you know, America's uh, racial history, it stoked up a lot of sentiment. That's obviously a touchstone. But also there had been the Tuskegee experiment. And so there was a, a historical analog. So people could say, oh, that sounds like a thing that I know of that's similar, which is where the American government basically didn't tell uh, certain uh, groups of black men that they had syphilis in order to conduct experiments on them. And many of them you know, went crazy or died from it. Uh, and so it had a historical analog. It is divisive. It's, it's already calling into question a, a thing that already exists, a point of contention that already exists. Um, and they used independent media to, to do this. So their hands are clean. Uh, similarly, this is uh, an attempt to sort of dismiss the FBI and saying that there is this sort of, uh, they don't really have anything. And this is a sort of a deep state attack. Um, and because thus far, so much of what has come out of Mueller uh, has been, allowed people to say, well, there's not quite a, on that piece of paper, it doesn't say, you know, Roger Stone was talking to Russians. It doesn't say Russian collusion in that document. Therefore, this is not that uh, big a deal. And so they can attach onto that idea that already exists um, and that they can push this sort of divisive idea of a deep state uh, operation against Trump, despite not having any evidence. Uh, and so, I think it's really important to remember that because of how much penetration that had. That was a, an operation that lasted for a couple of months or a couple of years in the 80s. And to this day in surveys uh, amongst African-Americans, some showing uh, a, somewhere between a third and half of African-Americans in America believe the story that was started by Russian disinformation. And that was at a time that that story was being pushed when they had very little penetration in America. They just had a few small newspapers, some organizations that they could attach themselves to, whereas now they have their own media channels in this country. Uh, and so that penetration, I think, goes even deeper than we realize. So this this isn't just the seeding chaos, because you said two purposes. This is more of like the weaponizing the information um, that they forged, in this case at least, from, from the Mueller investigation, and that aligns with their past practices of discrediting our justice system, FBI, CIA, etc., yeah, it's both. I mean, it, it's one and the same. And it, it, it almost has to be because you have to be and, and it's not just cleverness. I mean, you have to be hitting the things that people know about. You know what I mean? Like if you and I were like, let's do an information operation campaign against India. And we were like, well, we're only going to pick, you know, things that are important to Catholics. It would have zero penetration. You have to figure out what's already there. Pick an institution that you kind of want to discredit and you can use that to create chaos. Okay, so the Mueller probes kind of become 
a wedge issue, like how um, the the Russians were trying to infiltrate using gun rights issues through the NRA or religious organizations, for example, like the Prayer Breakfast. Exactly, and the fact that they're using it in that way, I think, is fascinating, uh, and that they're glomming on, and they're what what it's going to do if they're successful, and if they continue to will be successful about it, is to fuel this identity of me thinking that the Mueller investigation is a bunch of BS is part of my personal identity in the same way that me being a gun owner is part of my personal identity. Yeah, well, I I definitely love that uh, the American media outlets that were contacted just immediately contacted the Mueller probe and and the Department of Justice. They were like, hey, here's here's what's happening. And so I feel like at least we're learning. Mm hmm. And also Mueller, I mean, he, uh, uh, was it an indictment or in some capacity, he basically mentioned that they were trying to discredit him directly by trying to hire women to say it's sexually harassed. And I, I see this as similar, but basically the same operation, probably a different leg of the same operation. Right. So it might not be past Russian active measures that gave us the heads up, but that fake um, dis- try, you know, disinformation saying that Mueller had sexually harassed women, which is more recent and more fresh in our memories that might have been like, you know what, I'm going to talk to Mueller about this. This doesn't seem right. Yeah. And I don't know that that's sorry. I should mention, I don't know that that's right in any way, but it sounds like a very similar thing. It's it's feel it's beyond feeling. That's totally within within their, their wheelhouse. So I would be very not surprised if that were a different leg of the same operation, I should say. All right. Well, thanks for coming on today and helping us kind of build a frame of reference uh, about sort of these Russian active measures. Um, I really appreciate your time. Can you tell everybody where they can find your documentary? Absolutely. Uh, Active Measures is uh, on iTunes and uh, Amazon and any place you can get uh, DVDs or um, uh, VOD. All right. Awesome. Uh, Everybody, writer and director of Active Measures, Jack Bryan. Jack, thanks again for coming on Mueller, She Wrote. Thanks again for having me. So, guys, it appears that the very thing Mueller was prosecuting Russia for, or is prosecuting Russia for, is precisely what the Russians did during the Concord management case. And it seems as though Russia and Concord management, who would normally ignore this kind of indictment, usually when you indict Russians, they just ignore it, um, they purposefully hired an American lawyer to use our judicial system to gather documentary evidence to use in a disinformation campaign to discredit the investigation into their own meddling. That is brazen as fuck, you guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought when Manafort violated his gag order by writing that op-ed with the Russian, I thought that was balls. But this is astounding. <laughs> uh, and given the lawyers for Concord Management, uh, these are the ones, by the way, who talked about how Mueller's documents can't be that important because he confiscated a nude selfie. And he quoted cartoons and movies a lot. And he said, fuck, in one of his court filings. Uh, Anyhow, those guys, they're fucked. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if additional superseding charges are filed against Concord Management for this abuse of the courts. I'd like to see that. And I'd also like to see these lawyers punished. These are American lawyers. At least disbar these motherfuckers for either willfully participating or not knowing they were being Russian assets in a legit active measures disinformation campaign. I'm pissed, you guys. You do not fuck with our judicial system. And Trump is doing nothing to stop them from this shit. He has spent zero of the dollars allocated to protect us from Russian meddling. Obviously because it helps him. Discrediting the Mueller probe is about to be Trump's full-time job. uh, And there's no way he can win an election without the Russians. So I'm pissed about this. Imagine how Mueller feels Mm -hmm. about this. Yeah, would they even be able to do it in the same case, or would they have to do like a whole? Because the lawyer that he that their you know special counsel is going against, he's 
part of that. So can they even keep him as counsel? Can they just switch counsel over to someone that's not going to be indicted in superseding indictments? The Russians? Right. The I don't American think that lawyers that were working for the Russians. Well, I don't think the Russians give a shit about this case, and they don't need a lawyer, and they only got these guys to get to these documents. Yeah. I don't I even think they give a fuck. Cause they, nor- just, like I said, they just said, yeah, they just responded, like you said, just to get them. Yeah. Yeah, wow. so they might want to, you know, maybe they'll get a new lawyer and try it again. But I, I really think that this is a problem. And I think Mueller recognizes it a pro- recognizes it as a problem. And that's why he put this investigation and the, and the evidence that he found in investigating this disinformation campaign out there. And I, re- I hope that there are consequences for that. Yeah. I mean, you can, you know, you can do superseding indictments on Concord management. They're not going to show up in court. So. Right. And I wish we could just, like, redo the election. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> or call it illegitimate and put all of his laws and executive orders and SCOTUS appointments oh, out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we're still waiting to hear if Russia was even able to change the actual vote count. That's still a question. Jeez. It's just such a clusterfuck. Anyway, I'm mad. Sorry. I love you. We'll be right back. Hey, Muller Junkies. This is AG, and I'm here to say thank you for listening. We wouldn't be here without you, and we can't thank you enough. That's it. Have a wonderful week. Are you guys ready for sabotage? Yes. Guys, the sabotage this week is that there was no sabotage this week. Uh, The news was really quiet on Friday in the probe because of a pretty bad storm in D.C. It was snowing really hard. And we thought for sure that because of our there were four new sealed indictments Thursday night on the D.C. docket. Well, two went up Thursday. The other two went up the 23rd and 24th. And um, they all have the designation CR, which indicates a potential indictment. I don't know why. Don't ask. Uh, And two were flagged in a way that suggests their indictments with B green flags or something like that. So. This is all information that I got from an expert who reads these um, court do- uh, court dockets. Um, so, so those sealed indictments and the rumors that the grand jury met on Thursday again, though I don't have proof of that, these are just rumors from the ground, made me think that there would be a felony Friday. But nope, um, the, bit, the big news actually Friday was Governor Northam, which we talked about a little bit. The Virginia governor exposed for the photo in his medical school yearbook when he was 25 in 1984, dressing up in blackface or a KKK outfit. We don't know which one was him. Now he's saying neither one was him, but he did go in blackface for Michael Jackson. Weird. Um, Everybody wants him to resign, including myself. Um, There's a bunch of folks saying, hey, we all did dumb shit in college, and we're lucky we didn't have social media. You're lucky you didn't have social media. (laughs) Bullshit. We did not all dress up in blackface and KKK robes, and I'm tired of old white dudes telling me I was so much of a shithead in college. I was not. You were. That's your problem. Yeah, it's called projection. Yeah, fuck you. I did not do anything <laughs> like that. They're like, oh, you'd be glad you didn't, you know, that there wasn't Twitter. Like, I, like I was going to say a bunch of racist <laughs> fucking shit in college. Like, fuck right. you. Yeah. I, I'm getting mad that those, well, you, well, you should be lucky. Mm-hmm. No, you're a dick. Maybe you're a dick. I don't know. <laughs> I want to see him moonwalk for his like seat, like resign or moonwalk, like <laughs> dance for your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be so great. That's how we'll settle things <laughs> from now on. We should do that for presidential elections. Oh too. yeah. Are you guys ready for the fantasy indictment league? Yes. I'm gonna be indicted. No, wait. It's gonna be a indicted. Honey, dick. Indicted. Honey, I'm gonna be oh, they can't. It's gonna be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm gonna be All right, guys. Wednesday, we got some more clues about the secret company from Country A fighting Mueller in the secret subpoena battle royale. Um, let me read you my thread on this so I can connect all the dots for you. 
when I pull it up here on Twitter. You can check it out there. Um, I like it. <laughs> because, you know, a lot of it will sound familiar to you, but there's a couple of new things that came out this week. Yeah. And a couple of big clues. It's like blues clues. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and they're they're not just like sort of important. They're like massively important clues. So... Uh, it has now been confirmed uh, as of this week that the attorneys from Mueller's office are involved in the super secret subpoena battle involving state a state owned company from country A. A new unsealed court filing shows Meisler and Ahmed are handling the case. And this is huge. And here's why. First of all, I've long thought that the company is the Cutter Investment Authority or QIA because it meets all the clues that we've gotten so far through various court filings that are super redacted, but there's these little clues in minute orders and filings that remain un, uh, unredacted. Like, for example, we know it has a U.S. office, and we know it does substantial business in the United States, and we know that it's state-owned, and we know that it's foreign, and the Cutter Investment Authority fits all those. And my first clue was that Ahmed was working on the case. Um, she speaks Arabic, and she worked on the Flynn case, um, and ahead... One of the heads of QIA, Al Rumehi, met with Flynn Jr. and Cohen in Trump Tower in December of 2016. And we have photo evidence of that from Avenatti. And Al Rumehi bragged a year later that he had bribed the Trump administration in a deposition. <laughs> you see, uh, Al Rumehi was being sued by Ice Cube <laughs> for $1.2 billion for failing to fund a new basketball league uh, of his. And in a court filing, Ice Cube's partner said that Al Rumehi asked him to tell Steve Bannon that Cutter would fund Breitbart since the Mercers dumped Bannon. Remember when the Mercers were like, fuck you, because Bannon broke up with Trump, mm -hmm. and then he didn't have any funding for Breitbart? Apparently, Al Rumehi told Ice Cube's business partner to tell Steve Bannon that QIA would fund Breitbart. And Ice Cube's partner said no, and then Al Rumehi said, everybody does it. Do you think Flynn turned down our money? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. And, and, and the Steele dossier says there was a plan to sell 19% of Rosneft, that's a giant Russian oil company, it was private or public and they were going to sell it off, um, to generate a commission for Trump to lift Obama's sanctions. That's what was in the Steele dossier. There was 19% um, uh, they were going to sell off and give half a percent to, uh, in commission to Trump. In, in, in return, he was supposed to lift the sanctions Obama put on him. And December 1st, 2016, Cush and Flynn tried to set up a back channel to Russia. Then six days later, QIA and Glencore bought 19% of Rosneft. Five days after that, Al Rumehi met with Cohen and Flynn Jr. at Trump Tower. And get this shit, it was confirmed this week that the firm representing the company from Country A is Alston and Byrd. And while it's true they've represented many Russians in the past, I found out they also represented Glencore in the past. Glencore is the Swiss mining company that managed the sale of Rosneft to Qatar. The owner of Rosneft was Igor Sechin, by the way, who Carter Page met, um, and he said he met <laughs> in one of his trips to Moscow. But here's the new thing. The other Mueller lawyer on the case is Meisler, and he's the guy who worked on Manafort's case. And as we know, Manafort was pitched to Trump and the Trump campaign by a guy named Tom Barrick. And get this, Barrick is being investigated for his fishy deals with QIA. Shortly before the election, Barrett called for a, quote, radical historic shift in the U.S. outreach to the Arab world and the brilliant young leaders in UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar. And, of course, we know how much money Qatar has given to Kushner, bailing him out of the albatross known as 666 Fifth Avenue, where, incidentally, Manafort met with Kalimnik to give his private briefings, used to pay his debt off to Oleg Deripaska, who just had his sanctions lifted by the GOP. So, for all these reasons, I'm sticking with the Qatar Investment Authority, QIA, uh, which I think is what's hidden under that redacted line um, in the court filing. All right. 
I could be totally wrong. Is that your first pick? My first pick? No, no, no. <laughs> this is, for, we're, you know how we do separately for company A? Yes. So this is just you reaffirming your company pick? Yeah, no. Okay. No, it's not my first pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get me to give up my first pick. You know what I'm fucking saying for my first pick. You watch yourself. Uh, go to Twitter to find that thread. I posted the, the, the screenshots I found of Glencore repre- being represented by Alston and Bird. Um, and again, this is complete speculation. I could be totally wrong. Um, this is based on a handful of facts, super space beans. I know nothing, but I love guessing. So thank you for indulging me. So guys, that's, yeah. So for a fantasy indictment league, we have our five that we draft. And then we have this one special wild card thing where you get to pick who the company is from country A. Mm-hmm. So we've confirmed that it is Mueller's team that's handling the case. It's uh, Ahmed, which we knew, uh, but now there's Meisler. So put some beans on QIA on my wild card. Um, if you think about all those connections, plus the fact that Cutter, do you guys remember when Cutter stopped assisting special counsel Mueller against Kushner because it didn't want to face backlash from Trump? Yeah. That sounds like you might need to subpoena them for those documents. Uh-huh. And that Flynn's supplemental court filing, um, remember in the, where they, Flynn talked about how he cooperated? One of the three main investigations he was assisting Mueller with, two, one said Trump Russia, one said the Turkey stuff, and the other one was a completely redacted investigation that we know nothing about. Um, and that could be this. Uh, the Cutter and Glencore sale of Rosneft that the dossier said Trump was supposed to get about half a percent from, that's $280 million, by the way, in exchange for lifting sanctions. Not to mention, remember when the judge in the Flynn case, we just talked about this earlier in the episode, who had, he's only seen the unredacted documents, asked Mueller's team if they'd consider charging him with treason. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's this. And finally, we learned um, from this latest filing that it was Mueller that's asking to keep this secret. Mm. <laughs> Not the company from country a all right that says a lot so qia now given everything that went down this week i get to pick first and <laughs> nice. i'm gonna start with superseding stone indictment okay oh, nice. very okay. cool yeah that's you're, good you're cool with that you're like oh that's better i thought it was gonna be something else that's good <laughs> uh hold on let me get my little pad here so i can write these down oh yeah okay all right i'm gonna take uh junior Fuck! <laughs> god damn it all right. What do you got? Assange. And if it makes you feel better, I think it's too soon for Junior because he's not going to be able to hand the official transcripts over until Tuesday, and they're not probably not going to get him until Friday. But you never know. So you yeah. got Assange. Good yep. one. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with Erickson. Nice. Mm, Corsi plea. Corsi plea deal. Good, good. Uh, Credico plea deal. All right. Um, let's see here. Superseding Manafort. <laughs> nice. You'll have to let me know if I'm pronouncing this wrong. I probably am. Boryorkin? Oh, Boyarkin. Boryarkin. Mm. Forgot about that guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bannon. Ooh. Yeah. Plea agreement or straight up indictment? Straight up indictment. Actually. Considering he, she, yeah, considering he shares yeah. a lawyer with Priebus and uh, McGann. Yeah, I'm going to do plea agreement. Plea deal. <clears throat> All right, so we each have three. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with Nunberg plea agreement. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Yes. <laughs> that's, by the way, that's Yoda rolling himself over in his cosmic grave. <laughs> 
I will do Eric Prince. All right, I'm going to do Ivanka. All right, I'm going to go with Miller plea agreement. Nice. Mm. I think he's winding down. He's going to chill the fuck out a little bit. <laughs> After that stone mm-hmm. came out, he, mm-hmm. and he's going to testify before the grand jury. It's just going to behoove him, Corsi, Credico, yep. Nunberg, all these guys. Yeah. Um, Trump org. Cool. And you get one more. I'm doing Veselnitskaya. Like superseding? Um, or, oh, just in the Mueller investigation. Yeah, because yeah, that other one. We, did we let that count? We didn't, right? Because it was unrelated. No, because it was in a civil case about yeah. some shit from a long time ago. Yeah. All right. So we've got our five. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure to pick your five and post them on the secret Facebook group called Friends of Justice. Uh, you have to be a patron to join that. To be a patron, go to patreon.com slash Mueller She Wrote. Um, yeah, so this has been the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be a crazy week. Whether we get whether indictments drop or not, we've got a lot of testimony happening. Mm-hmm. And again, look for decl- Declaration of Emergency at... <laughs> I got beans on Declaration of Emergency at the SOTU, the yeah. State of the Union. When is that happening? Tuesday. Okay. And I've got beans on Whitaker not testifying on Friday if Barr gets confirmed somehow before that. Okay, makes sense. We should do a drinking game for the State of the Union. Oh, God. Oh. Tuesday. But I have to work Wednesday. Yeah. Good point. Drink. Yeah, I, I'll do. I'll do a drinking game. Drink if someone says something smart. And, and then I have to worry about it. <laughs> I'm I planning can... on being hungover from tomorrow uh, or today when oh. this drops for the next week. Yeah. So, no mm-hmm. drinking games for the State of the Union for me. <laughs> I'm a big Patriots fan. Oh, nice. that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Did I you mean, see that I'm that kid fine. at the science fair um, <laughs> did a project? Yeah, and he pr- won. Yeah. Yeah. Proving that. Whatever. Get over it, punk ass. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know he's a Trump friend and fan, Tom Brady? Well, I've seen allegedly. No. No. <laughs> His past is rocky mm. with that for sure. Yeah. He's dating a woman named Giselle. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's really, I mean, I think their owner is more so the guy that has any sort of real loyalty to Trump in any way. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, all those rich white dudes, they just know each other. You That's know. true. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's a rich white dude club. But yeah. Well, go Rams. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, guys, next we have the interview. And I'm really excited about this. I got to talk to Renato Mariotti. He is the host of On Topic Podcast, as you'll hear in the interview. He's going to talk a little bit about that. So let's let's take a listen. Joining us for the interview today is a former federal prosecutor, and he's a CNN legal analyst, and he's the host of the On Topic podcast, really incredible podcast. I'd like to welcome back Renato Mariotti to Mueller, she wrote. Renato, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. So <clears throat> I put out a tweet this week um, when we found out that, you know, 29 FBI officers in heavy gear <laughs> came in and escorted Mr. Stone. Uh, They knocked first, but they escorted him out of his home in Florida. And I had heard that he had a $250,000 bail set, but he didn't actually have to put up any money. Basically, the deal was, from my understanding, my limited understanding, is that as long as he showed up to court, he was fine. It's like he signed for it or something, and he didn't have to pony up any dough. And my tweet was, I don't, you know, I think that that's weird that the richer you are, 
the less you have to put up up front uh, to get yourself out of uh, jail and walking free. So you're a former federal prosecutor. You know a lot more about the law than I do. And I was hoping maybe you could talk to us a little bit about bail, what that means and, and how it happened. Sure. So let me... I'll start with talking about how bail works in the federal system, and then we can talk about how the state system is different, because I think that most people's experience with bail and the bail system is how state courts work, which can be very different depending on where you live. Um, but I have some... Yeah, I guess most of us have not been picked up on any, on any federal offenses. <laughs> there you go. So the way it works on federal charges... Um, is that when somebody's picked up, they are brought before the the judge, uh, depending on uh, how you're charged. You know, it may be a district court judge, it may be a magistrate judge, but you're brought before a federal judge, and that judge has to, to the judge has to determine whether or not uh, you'll be released. And the presumption is generally that you will be released, and that the the most um, permissive possible conditions um, will be get will be set by the judge. In other words, the judge has to pick the least restrictive means possible to ensure that you're going to appear for future appearances and that you and that the public will be protected uh, during the time that you are on pretrial release. And that, that there's there's various ways in which if there's certain types of offenses um, that that presumption can change, but that's the main presumption. So, and so I suppose it's the public will be protected from the kind of crimes that that person may commit against the public, not like fashion crimes, for example. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So you know, usually the the that that. That concern is, for example, when there's violent crimes that have been charged, um, you know, the person, um, you know, might be a gang member. They might have, you know, other uh, uh, something else that suggests that they may be a violent person or they may endanger the public. And then, you know, uh, flight is the other big concern that that uh, that presents itself. So, you know, what. okay, so like I'm thinking of when Manafort's bail was revoked, they wanted him to stop kind of suborning perjury from other witnesses and that was kind of his danger was that he he was interfering with the investigation well the difference there was he already had conditions set and he violated them so there the judge was was determining that he she could not trust him to continue abiding by the terms of his release and so therefore yeah i mean there there she ended up deciding that he was going to continue to break the law if he was out on pretrial release. And so there was no conditions that she could fashion that would um, that would prevent him from continuing to commit crime. On the front end, you, you know, a judge is trying to figure out really two things. One, you know, do I have to be concerned that this guy is going to continue committing crimes while out on uh, on supervised or excuse me on um, on uh, pretrial release? And second of all, is this person a danger to the, or excuse me, and is this person going to flee? And I will just say, you know, one thing that tends to happen in federal court, you know, when I'm giving analysis to you guys, I'm not telling you um, why, how the law should be. I'm talking about how the law is. And I would just say that typically in a white collar case like this one, Stone has already been subpoenaed for various do- you know, documents or 
or uh, you know, subpoenaed to appear, uh, usually as a lawyer. And typically, these folks have some sort um, of community ties and something to lose if they flee the United States. So often, in most cases, and frankly, in most federal cases that I investigated and prosecuted, the person got a bond that was an own recognizance bond, which is the kind of bond that, that he got where he just signed his name, promised that he'd pay a certain amount if he violated the conditions, but didn't actually put any money up. Okay. And it's different from uh, how state courts operate because, at least from, I think, the system that we are all a little more familiar with, because like I said, a lot of us don't get picked up for federal offenses. Um, you know, you go in, you your a bail is set, and you, somebody has to make a, a percentage of that payment, um, as, you know, as a promise that you'll appear. And, and if you don't, the rest of it is charged to you. Exactly right. In the federal system, there are so there there is sort of a potential to have that a secured bond. What I was talking about, the OR bond, the own recognizance bond, is an unsecured bond. It's possible to have a secured bond, and that's usually where there's some um, sense that the guy might flee. This is usually a situation where it's it's a risk of flight, and so you come up with a bunch of conditions where you know he wears an ankle bracelet and you know puts uh, puts his home up uh, you know or you know puts some amount of money up that's roughly what the Manafort situation was um, but in the state court that you know uh, having a bond where part of it is paid up front is the norm and i will just say there's there's major reforms underway around the country uh, because a lot of people uh, I think rightfully have viewed this as un, not only unfair, but a, totally against the public interest because many more people are being detained simply because they can't come up with that cash up front. So in, in the in the county, I live in Cook County and in, in the city of Chicago, uh, our, our uh, state's attorney has been trying to reform um, that that bond system to try to make it more like the federal system. Yeah, I, I've, I've been hearing sort of pushes for that no cash bail um thing it does become uh untenable in a lot of a lot of situations and so that's kind of what triggered my tweet at first i was like why does this guy get to just go home and promise um especially when he has the money to put up and then you know there's the rest of us who have to somehow come up with this money which we lose and then you know we can't just promise like our some reason white collar criminals have a a stronger i don't know word (laughs) than we do Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a practical matter, there's a lot of there are a lot of reasons for folks to believe that white collar criminals get better treatment, right? They often have very well, they have great attorneys. Um, they often uh, know about the investigation as it's ongoing. Uh, they um, report usually instead of getting arrested in the way that Stone was, um, et cetera. Some of that is due to the fact that they are usually investigated by the feds versus the state. Some of it is because of the type of crime. In other words, you know, usually these are folks where you know where they're at, you know who they are. Um, the issue is just is is what they were doing in their business a crime, whereas whereas uh, a lot of the crimes that uh, violent crimes or drug crimes, everyone knows that selling heroin is illegal. Everyone knows that, you know, robbing a bank is illegal. It's just the question is, were you the the person who did it? 
So it's a different type of crime. Right, but you got to sit in jail while we try to figure it out or give us money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. there you go. That's It's a, not a fair system necessarily, I'm, but I'm just reporting the facts. Exactly. You're not here to tell us how it should be. You're here to tell us how it is. And so I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that very much. I think they're just moving ahead full steam. And one more time, can you let everyone know where they can get um, your podcast on topic? Absolutely. So you can get uh, on topics. You can just search for on topic or my name, Renato Mariotti, and you can get it on any major uh, podcast app. It's in the iTunes uh, store and Apple, but it's also in Stitcher and Pocket Cast and all the Android stores. So uh, we'll have, I think, more, more, more great episodes that come in the days ahead. Awesome. Yeah, it's only going to get more interesting from here. So former federal prosecutor, CNN legal analyst and host of On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti, thank you for coming on Mueller She Wrote. Anytime. Thank you. All right, guys, that's our show this week. Um, This is where we thank you all and tell you uh, all to register to vote. We're going to start now and we're not going to let up. Uh, Vote for whoever wins the Dem nomination, even if you aren't 100 percent with them. Anyway, guys, any parting thoughts before we head out? Just uh, um, stay warm and dry because the weather's been crazy everywhere. I hey, listen, all listen, be safe. Listen, it's no not rain. Raining. Yeah, the rain stopped a little bit. Yeah. All right, guys, again, thanks for listening. We love you. We love your support and we support the hell out of you. So don't forget that. I've been AG. I've been Julissa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. You voted. I did. You protested. Again. You postcarded. So many Sundays. You posted on social media. Got some likes. And you're still reeling from all the terrible news. Yeah, but what else can I do? I'm Kelly. I'm Lila. And we're going to help you figure that out. Each week, we'll interview people on the front lines of political action about the things they actually did to take action what got them started, who helped them along the way, and what they'd do differently if they had it to do all over again. And in the process, we'll give you concrete advice about how to take the leap from freaking out on Twitter to making a difference. Follow What Can I Do wherever you listen to podcasts or tune in on whatcanidopodcast.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van 
with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.